Kilda and welcome to another episode, episode 59 of the Stag Raw. We've got Adam Kavner, the Turtle Man, back on the podcast and wowee, do we have a good chat. Adam has been up to a lot over the last year. As I said when we spoke last year, get onto his Instagram page because man it is awesome and as he says at the end he's going to be um, putting up a little bit more content of what he gets up to. Um, especially when it comes to being out in the bush, out in the wilderness, and also a bit into what he does when he goes hunting. So if you're a fan of the page, you're probably a fan of those things. So get after Adam's Instagram page, and of course you can find that in the show notes. Um, We talk about mental health, about the carnivore diet, about veganism, this vegan push. Um, We talk about strength, we talk about mindfulness, we talk about um, mental fortitude, resilience, playtime, acting like a child, um, diet, it's, it's all there. We go deep and we have a really wicked chat. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy this episode of The Stag Roll with Adam Kavner, the Turtle Man. Yeah. Awesome. We are following the podcast back up with Adam Kavner. Kavner, cheapest. Mate, you're in quite a, quite a den there. What's what's going on? You're back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm back uh, back in Blackwater. Yeah, central Queensland. Um, to be honest, actually, <clears throat> this is where I spent most of my childhood. I'm actually in a caravan um, up the side of my parents' house. They uh, years ago when I was a kid, they they got this caravan, and um, I took first dibs on it, obviously. It's like, I thought it'd be pretty cool to live in a caravan. And anyway, yeah, I like 17 years on and it's still my room. <laughs> but uh, it's more of a storage now, obviously, since I'm traveling around. But I thought it might be a cool spot to uh, sit in here and do the podcast in here. Absolutely, mate. So uh, what, you, you, lived, you lived in the room or, or what was the story there? Yeah, yeah. Um, when I used to uh, work out here here in the mines, I um, I like through the mine I worked at. I had the option to have my own house, but I yeah, I just I just chose to stay here at my dad's house and just live in a caravan in his backyard. <laughs> yeah, I guess I haven't upgraded much from that. I'm living in my car now in a camp trailer, so I'm kind <laughs> of downsized from the caravan, I guess. Yeah, did that just sort of give you like a little bit of privacy? Maybe seventeen years old, live live out of the house, but but not. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. Like, uh, I have uh, two brothers and a sister, so it, it worked out good getting the caravan. Everyone got their own room, so yeah, everyone got their own privacy. And yeah, I don't know. Just something about living in a caravan just seemed a bit different, a bit a bit out there. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And so when you're when you're working in the mines and, and going back and forth. Um, were you sort of in prefabs in the mines and then come back? Was that luxury or was it a downgrade? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I, 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 like I lived and worked in the same place. I didn't like do fly in or fly out or yeah. drive in, drive out, whatever you want to call it. So um, I still got to come home to the caravan every night. So I guess I. Nice. Yeah. And mate, um, you've got that head just over your right shoulder. What's the story behind that? Oh, what's that? Uh, that's the uh, – it, it'd be really good. It just happened to be in the background, but that's that fallow deer 
the first, basically, yeah, the first deer, the first animal that I, I took with the recurve bow. Nice. So. And the same skin behind it or? Yeah, that's the, the skin from that deer as well, yeah. Yeah. And did you yeah, tan, pretty cool. did you tan that yourself or? Yeah, I did actually. I, I did a method called, uh, what's well, like a natural tanning called brain tanning. Nice. And um, oh, so most tanning is normally chemically tanned with like chromium, mm-hmm. but maybe if you if you go to wear that on your skin, it, it's not the best. Like they, it, it, you know, if you want to get into the hippy dippy stuff, like you can absorb those chemicals into your skin. Mm-hmm. And this is a more traditional method that, like brain tanning. Obviously, like every animal has a brain, the correct size to tan its own body, which is a pretty cool little fact but um for this i didn't actually use the deer's uh brain because i didn't want to wreck this the the skull so i used a solution of egg olive oil and natural soap which Mm -hmm. creates the same uh consistency as a brain and anyway yeah when you um there's a lot more to it than that like the process is pretty sort of in depth but yeah you rub that solution onto the skin and it um naturally naturally cures the hide yeah and uh, apparently, it's like this—it's the softest leather you can. Uh, I guess leather's the wrong word to call it, but it's the—it's the softest hide you can kind of make is the brain tan. Apparently, this one here turned out like cardboard because I didn't quite do it 100 percent right. But, but anyway, it's still learning. It was my first attempt, so. Yeah, I know. Um, when it comes to co-products for the venison market, the the dev leather gets sent off to make high-end handbags and that sort of stuff. Um, mate, did you teach Kai or the same person who taught you taught Kai? Because it's also quite yeah. a brain, brain tan, that goat, goat hide that she got. Pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a really awesome guy down in Melbourne uh, called the Bush Tannery. That's his business. And, um, yeah, through, through a friend of a friend, I heard about that guy and um, got into contact with him and, and um, he was pretty, pretty, pretty uh, nice. Like he gave me a lot of information for free, and um, just through conversation. And he just, yeah, he was so excited when I got the deer, and just told me how to make the solution. And and uh, yeah, that's who I learned off basically. So so Kai and I, we both uh, learnt off. Yeah, the, the awesome guy, the bush tannery. Um, and actually, Kai was lucky enough; she got to go down and catch up with him, and and do it first hand with him so i guess she probably knows a bit more than me <laughs> now but was that who who was teaching her how to fish uh tan fish and tan frogs was that the same person as well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he's yeah he does all the natural tan it's absolutely awesome so it's cool that there's someone out there that into it it's, yeah yeah no it's um it's pretty awesome and and i guess like me you would have been pretty proud of kai going out there and, and using the recurve as well and one being guided onto a goat and then doing it herself. And then I see she was out yesterday looking over the goats and sort of seeing their behaviours and things. And looks like she's going to try and go again by herself, which is pretty awesome. How, how does it feel to be one of the people that introduced her to the recurve bow, mate? Yeah, it's awesome. T- to be honest, I told her when, uh, when she first took on the challenge, I said to her, I said, uh, the compound bow would be a better option because the compound bow is a lot easier. And um, she was sticking to the guns like she, well, not sticking to the guns, but she was sticking to the, the recurve traditional bow, like right or wrong. That was the direction she wanted to go. And I was, 
yeah, I was like, okay, like I said to her, this is, this is probably like one of the biggest hunting challenges you'll face. Like it's definitely the hardest way to hunt. And yeah, she stuck to it, put the, put the work in, shot it every day. And mm. yeah, she's uh, reaping the re- rewards now. And um, yeah, harvesting her own food, which is awesome, as well as the benefit of getting the skins. And yeah, like it's, it's awesome to see. Like, yeah, I've been lucky enough to see the whole process from start to finish, from like beginner to, I'd have to say she's, yeah, she's, there's not many female bow hunters. So she's, and I don't know any female traditional bow hunters. So she's definitely, yeah, taken on a big challenge there. Yeah, and um, she'll have to get in contact with another Adam, Adam Greentree and, and his wife Kim, and he should take both those two out for a um, for a fox or a, or a fellow hunt on their place and see who, see who goes better the the compound or the or the recurve. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I know they're friends, so yeah, who knows? Who knows what'll happen in the future? It's possible that something like that will probably definitely happen. Actually, so. I will be very excited to see that happen. That'd be so cool. Uh, mate, speaking of the compound bow, you, you got your Matthews, is that right, back out in action? And, and how, how, how did that Yeah, I, Yeah, it felt good. I, I wasn't getting enough time to shoot the traditional bow every day, which like, you have to be obsessed. You have to shoot it every day if, you wanna, if, you, if you're serious about it and you want to do it and be ethical. And uh, with a lot of the other things I, I was up to, I didn't quite have the time to shoot it every day. So, yeah, I went, uh, went and pulled the old compound bow out from under the bed and blew the dust off it, and I've picked it back up. I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Like, it, it, it's where I started. Like, that's, that's where bow hunting started for me. So I thought it'd be good to get back to my roots. And, yeah, it, 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 it can be challenging. Like, bow hunting's obviously challenging, whichever way you look at it, look at it, like whether you look at it like through the compound or traditional bow hunting, but yeah, I, I don't know. It just felt right. felt like I, what I needed to do at the time. So yeah, I haven't actually got to take it out and use it yet, but yeah, I definitely will be soon. That's for sure. Um, what really got you started, man? Like now for me, I, I look, you know, I'm keen on hunting and you know, like I said, Adam Greentree, and then there's there's people like Joe Rogan and Cameron Haynes and um, Stephen Aller and all, all those sort of guys that that do the bow, and you think, man, that's that's awesome. And even in New Zealand, um, one of the really well done shows over there is called the Hunters Club, and and one of the main guys, um, Andre, he he's he's into bow hunting, and and he's got a cool cool Instagram page, Train Hunt Thrive, but. You know, a few years back, you wouldn't have ever, you know, you knew bow hunting was a thing, but you'd be like, oh, no, it's too difficult or whatever. What what got you into it, man? Well, I I grew up on a farm, so I was I was pretty well used to hunting. Like my brothers and I, we'd like we'd, we'd walk around and shoot rabbits and we'd eat them, and we're, yeah, like we, we were used to doing that. And it was actually my brothers that got me into it, so they for whatever reason, a lot of the hobbies I have now, actually they started me off mm. like they started at first and then I sort of got into it and um, yeah, they, they started getting into the archery and at first it wasn't really something that I was interested in, but the more they did it, I, I got kind of really interested in it. So I started doing it and then it was funny. They kind of um, lost interest in the, in the bow hunting and archery. And then I really like 
enjoyed the challenge of it all and and yeah it all it all stemmed from there actually and then <clears throat> there's a few really well-known bow hunters in australia so you have like uh everyone knows like in the circle of the bow hunters everyone knows adam greentree but there's a lot of other bow hunters that really that really started the scene in australia i guess like, like a fella called brad smith had these dvds mm-hmm. and um it's really where it, where it started out for me because uh, my brothers would be watching these these bow hunting DVDs, and <clears throat> like I, I, I sat down, and watched a few, and I thought, yeah, right, yeah, like this is this is actually pretty interesting. This bow hunting hunting mm-hmm. stuff, like the challenge of getting really close, and yeah, I guess it was it, I guess it was through those DVDs and just my brother's passion for bow hunting. That's that's where it really really started out for me, actually. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know for myself. Um when I was working summer jobs and, and I'm an in-smelter, um, you know, that's a sort of place that's pretty pretty well male-dominated. So all the magazines in the place were either car magazines or hunting magazines or fishing magazines. And and there's a, about the time there's probably only two or three New Zealand hunting magazines, so they had plenty of Australian ones. And, yeah, like you go reading through those and no one no one's using a firearm obviously because of the firearm laws and people were you know taking down these massive balls with with a bow and i was just thinking that's that's incredible how does this even work and and now yeah like, like you say the australian bow hunting seems pretty strong and hopefully we'll get uh Eamon waddington to come on the podcast and have a chat about anything from photography to bow hunting to skateboarding to coffee and cooking up a mean meal but uh, <laughs> um and, and then of, of course there's uh I can't, can't remember his last name, but I think he's Nick and he, he owns Ozcut Broadheads. Yeah, Nick Nick Morton. Yeah, I've been been in contact with Nick, so watch this space in the future. Yeah, who knows what'll happen there. Oh, awesome, man. That'd be, that'd be good to watch. And yeah, again, if Nick ever finds his way onto this podcast, uh, it'd, be, it'd be awesome. Oh, you definitely, definitely have to get him on. I'll put it, I'll put, I'll reach out and I'll get onto him for you. I definitely, yeah. that'd be awesome if you could get him on. Yeah, he, he went, went over to New Zealand just recently and Got himself a tar, and I just, I just love the. Um, he's really good at getting what what his face looks like after after he's successful because he's he's always blown away, and it just shows how you know much effort he's put into it, how much planning he puts into it, and then how ecstatic he is that you know something so difficult has come off. Um, no, he's cool. Did what do you sort of get out of out of next next page, mate? What's that? Sorry, break up. Sorry, man. Uh, what do you get out of next page? Yeah, actually, he he's a he's obviously into all, uh, pretty similar stuff to myself, I guess, with the bow hunting and the fitness. And I don't know, man. He's it's pretty cool that he's he started his own. Like he's seen a gap in the market there with the broadheads, like with the the archery hunting tips. And he's really, really carving out a space there, so it's pretty cool. Like, and um, I guess, yeah. Like, I, I went to a hunting expo. Um, I think it was last year, and he was there. And um, we, we'd been in contact through social media before I got to before I went up and said g'day to him and actually met him in person. But yeah, he's a he's a real genuine good dude, and just yeah, obviously, yeah. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, he's definitely carving his own sort of way there, and it's it was, it's it's cool to see. So that's what I love about his page, I guess. Yeah, he just sort of yeah getting to follow along, and he's he's obviously really passionate about bow hunting. So no, yeah. you, you say about going to a um, 
hunting expo they're, they're good places to um, touch the flesh and, and you know make a even deeper connection than just saying well that's awesome and what, what you know what gear are you using or, or all of that or you know how was the experience and stuff on social media it's always better to be in person eh, mate? and it's something you and I need to do and um, it was a bummer you were in the neighborhood just just recently um, you would you speak, spoke about you know, other things you were doing and, and you were getting in some training and, and pushing Keegan Smith for chin-ups. Um, what was that experience <laughs> like living with him, mate? Oh, it was absolutely awesome. The, the actual story there. So um, for the last few months, uh, actually another bow hunter that I, I knew through social media, <coughs> he, he got into contact with me and um, just – he just offered me a job down uh, around Gympie. Mm-hmm. So pretty close to down to Byron uh, around that area where you were. And yeah, he, he just reached out to me and he said, how would you like a job? And at the time, uh, to be honest, I'm still not real keen to work just yet, but I thought, oh, yeah, like this will be an awesome experience, a bit of an adventure. So for a few months, yeah, I, I um, did a bit of tree. Uh, what's the word for it? Yeah. It's like a tree servicing. Mm-hmm. tree lopping kind of work like just cleaning up storm damage and stuff anyway while i was there um it was an awesome experience but yeah uh keegan keegan reached out and he said if i if i was interested like he'd love to um have me come down the farm and hang out and you know swap a you know just sort of swap some knowledge and and yeah just just see what sort of eventuated from from catching up so yeah I'd, like the I uh, left the left the job that I was doing. I was only there for like three months. Anyway, yeah, I went down to Keegan's and with no real plan. I don't, I don't think I don't know if he had a plan or not either. But yeah, we caught up and just started. You know, just it, it was good. I I, I think he uh, he loves a bit of a challenge. So yeah, it sort of um, I didn't take long. And anyway, we we're in his little 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 uh, shed gym that he has at the back and sort of started mucking around, just seeing who could who could chin up the most weight and it kind of just kept kept carrying on and carrying on but i he, he definitely got the better of me a few <laughs> times he, he's definitely yeah <laughs> he's definitely a lot stronger than me but i, I think uh i didn't have the best form in the chin-ups but i i i, I got 160 kilo rep so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say that i got that one on him but mate, maybe not really, because my form was pretty bad. But I'm just gonna, I'm gonna own that one, the 60 kilo chin up. So, absolutely, man, that's it's epic, and I know that that's what makes his sort of um, re- not really retreats. They're sort of int- intensive, is what you call it, when he gets a whole bunch of people together. That that exact environment of just bucking around in a gym and you know a little bit of competition and pushing yourself means that you reach whole new levels and. Like you say, sharing of knowledge and, and, and collaborating on things means that everybody grows and comes away totally different people. And, and I'm sure you got got a lot out of that and, and likewise for him. Yeah, look, what Keegan's got, like, he's definitely, oh, he's got an awesome thing going on out there. Like just the just the vibe of the place and, and the direction that he's taken with the Real, Real Movement project. Because actually... Um, Keegan sort of come onto my radar uh, a couple of years ago, actually, like it was through Facebook. I seen this ad about, um, uh, he was like juggling or something and, and he was pretty jacked and I was like, what's going on here? And um, I, I, I thought this is pretty interesting because at, at that time I used to just go to the gym and lift heavy weights and 
that like I, what there wasn't it wasn't really healthy like so it was more it was it was more like the unhealthy training yeah. and then yeah like like his his sort of stuff came onto my radar and it was like real movement and like like actually bettering yourself and like you know what's true human potential and it was all stuff that like had never crossed my radar before and i was like i was like wow like there's there's something to this so yeah it was cool like i I started following his content and like he he really puts out some really good stuff and then yeah like to get the opportunity and go there and just to, to actually get the experience what what he's up to and he to be honest like just yeah like oh i was just so thankful for the for the knowledge that that he gave me like just yeah he's a proper awesome dude I was I was a bit hawky at first. He pulled out a Rubik's cube and gave me a Rubik's cube, and I thought, ah, oh, here we go. Like I wasn't wasn't real keen on that to be honest, but yeah, like just he just knows. Like he's yeah, That's like I'm stoked as now. I know how to do the Rubik's cube, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was so awesome to to be there. Hey, like you know, just to see his juggling skills, and uh, oh, yeah, man, like he's just he's going somewhere. There's definitely there's definitely that the real movement projects definitely going somewhere. So it was cool to be, be part of it. And hopefully I'll get to work with him in the future. That, that, yeah, that, that'd be, that'd be pretty awesome as well. So. Absolutely. I was lucky enough to spend a couple of hours up there. Um, Billy was still, you know, reasonably young and, and we were all on her time. So um, it was only a couple of hours, but yeah, Mitch Pike was there as well. And um, all we're doing is sort of, we cleared, cleared the area where the pigs are and, you know, we moved some bricks and we had some really good conversations. There's a good concept from a um, sports psychologist in New Zealand that works with the, the Chiefs rugby team. And he, that's exactly what he does every now and again. Is he's, he's got this big pile of bricks in his backyard and he moves it from one spot to the other. And it's just about, you know, doing something mindless, finding your thoughts. And he's like, yeah, that's really good. He's telling me about how he got guys cutting down trees. And it's like, you know, it's, it's physical, it's mindless. You've got a task, it's got, it's got to finish. And you've just got to keep going and get it done. And yeah, no, it's it's really awesome, you know. And and hopefully, I can find some time to get back up there and, and have a good chat. And hopefully, him and I can do a in person podcast as well. It'd be it'd be good because the first oh, one that'd be great. Yeah, yeah the first one we did, um, I put up a post on on my blog the other day about the top five. And yeah, Keegan's for for a long time was the number one, and and it's still number three. You know, it's like I say, he's got so much knowledge in. He managed to impart some knowledge on him, and you know he had to color big by himself in the end because you left him hanging. Um, did you get any feedback yeah. from his experience, man? <laughs> Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, like uh, so, I had to dart off a bit early. It was, I think, it was the next day, or it was a day or two after I left. <clears throat> he called me up on FaceTime, and um, yeah, we did a FaceTime while he processed the pig. So. I, I still sort of got to help him to a, a little bit in the end, but um, yeah, it was awesome. Like I, I showed him a few things when I was there, and yeah, he put it to practice, and yeah, it was cool to it was cool to be part of that experience. I, I would have preferred to have been there in person, but it, it's cool with technology. Yeah, like you know, just got to FaceTime him while he was processing a pig, which is something I've never done before. But um, that's just that's just who Keegan is. Yeah, mate. <laughs> so, and um. I don't know about you, but the the hardest part is is the taking the life part, and then yeah, definitely, yeah. Especially, especially once you get you know the the skin off or get into it, it all of a sudden just immediately turns into food. 
Um, what is it about you that that you know you know that it's going to be hard and you feel that deep inside? Um, what is, what is it that I guess the terms probably justifies or makes it all right in in within yourself that you know someone's had a good life and if it wasn't for the way that it was raised or you know or on the flip side when you're talking about a wild animal especially in Australia with his with his predators um, or, or animals just starve or, or dehydrate or whatever what is it about you that you know you can sort of justify that um, you're doing not necessarily the right thing but in terms of your survival the right thing yeah I guess I've had this sort of conversation with a few people and I guess um, definitely not to put the ethical part aside, but um, like let's just say most people will go to the shop and they'll buy meat and there's no, like there's no thought into that at all. Like there's no like, oh, you know, where did this come from? That was an actual animal. Like no one can really like that meat doesn't really have a face. Like you don't have any really respect for where that comes from. Mm. But how I can justify hunting is that, I mean, I just know like it, just in my, in my, in my body, like my body, it craves meat. So like, I just, I just have that feeling like it's obviously the right thing for me to be doing is to eat meat. But then when I'm the one that's taking that animal's life, like I, I'm there in its last moments. And, and it's not like it, it, I wouldn't say it's a good feeling or a bad feeling, but it's just like a feeling of, I don't know. It's like respect. Like, like, like I know, like I know where that meat comes from Mm. and that's what makes me okay with it. Yeah. That that I was the one that, that took that animal's life. So you you will like not to get too far down the, the rabbit hole of the hunting world, but. I mean, it's the wrong way to put it, but like you will, there'll be people that'll go to the shops and buy meat, but then they'll turn around and then they'll, they'll be like, Oh yeah, hunting so bad. But it's like, well, if you eat meat at the end of the day, you know, someone's got to kill that animal, but just because you're the one, like you're not the one that killed it. Like that makes it okay. Like it's okay to eat meat if you didn't kill it. Hmm. But I don't know. It's a really big thing to take an animal's life. So I think it's important. Like it's, it's a really, it's a really humbling experience. Like it's not rainbows and butterflies when you take an animal's life, but that's, that's what gives you more respect for it. It's just like, you know, the whole experience, like it's, it's real. It's, it's brutal. Like you, you know, like it's, it's the real world and it's, it, it's in a way, like that's why I like it. Like I, I know the whole process so I can have respect for what's really going on. So, yeah. yeah. And I say respect and responsibility um, for for the process, and uh, I sort of think that there's there's levels to it as well. And, and it's not until you get exposed to wild game or, or um, really well grown animals and and the flavour and the colour and 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 all that. Like um, we when we were at the supermarket, we tried to buy organic and free range, and then we got. Um, given some chicken from Brooklyn Springs who do pasture-raised free-range chicken and like yeah, and it was you know it's delivered to your door and it's packaged really well and you know that it's fresh and it's just night and day and then you 
then you go back to the supermarket and you get it and you just go, oh man, what am I, what am I doing? And then, then you start to look at, you know, um, we've got a, a plot of, you know, a little dirt patch in, in our backyard that we're not doing anything with. And then you get some um, spinach from the supermarket and you're like, what, what the hell, you know, this is organic, but what the hell am I doing? What the hell am I doing? This is, this is so disappointing. It's all, it's in a plastic container wrapped in plastic. And you're like, oh, this is such a waste when we could, could be, could be growing that. And then, on top of that, you know, you, you say about, you know, you eat meat and you're responsible for it. And if you eat meat, then you should consider that what you're doing. But by the flip side, equally, if you're trying to grow vegetables, you're killing so much. If you're the best way to fuel the vegetables is, is with things like seaweed and, and, and fish meal and, and blood and bone. And, and like I've, I've just started when I do a broth, I've just started burying the, um, the remains of that, the carcass of that in the, in the garden. And, even just in a short space of time that the dirt in their backyard's gone from this really sandy, grippy sort of stuff to having a real life to it and being dark and, and flourishing. Yeah. And, you know, life eats life. It's, it's continuous. It's, you know, the line yeah, like, might have glorified lines, but at the same time it did, did <laughs> promote a key concept that it's a circle of life. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Like, we definitely, we're, we're living in a, in a society and kind of a world where I guess not everyone can go hunt, but I think just being aware, just, just, I think that's all you have to do is just be aware of where your food comes from. And obviously when you do have to buy it, like that's all I can do when I obviously with, you know, catching up with Keegan and all that, like you can't just go hunting and in those situations, like when I go North, I can pretty much, nearly 100% live off wild meats but, but that's all you can do like with your choices and what you buy when you do have to go buy meat like that's like that's how you can like have your say and like what you know what where the food comes from like obviously with the better choices of meats like you know at least you know you are buying something that's you know like yeah like you said free range and organic and stuff like that like that's like that's what you can do like that is the yeah, I think that's that's yeah, cause, yeah. We definitely not everyone can go hunting, nor would ever, anyone want to. But I think it is important to know where your food comes from and to have some like have respect at least. Yeah, man. And so. while, while we're sort of <clears throat> diving into this topic, you and I both shared um, a Pete Evans podcast yesterday. He was with Sean Baker, who he is the oh yeah most most listened to podcast that I've done, Sean. Um, and Pete, Pete's. He didn't make the top five, but he's number six. You know? So they're, they're good episodes to go and listen to if, if you haven't brought up on those. But, um, you know, they're the both the, – the weird thing I find, and it happened before Christmas again, is there's two sort of things where they went after Pete Evans just for, for the sake of it. He's like, he's like the media whipping boy, um, and there's an official document out there that it's, that it's a planned and concerted effort to, to sort of discredit what he says and you know one was looking at the sun and, and getting up and you know getting the sunshine on your face which um if you follow my instagram i did that this morning and <laughs> even take <tagged Peter. laughs> um and then the, the the other one is 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 this meat meat topic and the fact that meat is demonized and i think it was um the guardian sort of said you know going vegan is the best thing you can do in 2019 and then Jay-Z and Beyonce have backed it up, you know, oh, going vegan, <laughs> it's a challenge there. But, 
you know, it's it's really not the answer. And, and you know, monocropping and all that sort of carry on, it's just, it's just not the full story. And, you know, how, how do you sort of feel that you and I are probably at the other end of the spectrum of things, but you look at it and say, this is just bizarre, you know? What are your thoughts, man? Yeah. Actually, I'll touch on that sunscreen topic just before we get into the meat. Actually, I um, obviously I'm pretty pale, and I used to be a lot more pale than this. And actually, um, I used to wear sunscreen all the time, and that's actually I'd get sunburn all the time too. And yeah. when I started going paleo and stopped using chemicals and all that sort of stuff, I stopped using sunscreen, and then I stopped getting sunburnt. So that's just a bit of food for thought there. But anyway, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Say, I'm just gonna say that's my experience. But yeah, something about not using sunscreen and just just being like not being silly in the sun. Mm. But yeah, I, I stopped getting sunburnt. So I, I don't know. There's there's something there's something funny going on there. So yeah. but, and, and, the, and, uh, and the thought might not be that it, that it's the the sunscreen that you know might make you less sensitive or less adaptable. Uh, the other thought, and this is what we touched on in, in the last podcast with Michael Lewis, is that because the processed diet has, is so high in these omega sixes, and our yeah. our ability to resolve inflammation, because that's what sunburn is, it's, a, it's an inflammatory process. Um, and so, if you have a good ratio between those omega threes and the omega sixes, your body can actually resolve that 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 dermatological sort of condition, and and. Um, same when we talk to Ivor Cummins and, and the two links between those two, Tucker Goodrich, it's, it's this big, big common thing. And, and, you know, Rob Wolf as well, he says it as well. You know, it's this big common thing that comes up when you go whole food, you're better able to deal with inflammation, you know, whether that be getting sunburnt or allergies or asthma or, or in your case, you know, thyroid disease. Um, these, yes. auto, these autoimmune things all of a sudden just disappear. And um, so, yeah, that just, Adding, adding to that, but um, going back to the sort of media perception and, and the story being told, and and it's always flip flip flops. One one minute they're saying you know cheese and cheese and meat you know are part of a healthy diet, and then the next moment they're telling us that best thing you can do in two thousand nineteen is go vegan. <laughs> well, to be, to be honest, um, when I when I went paleo, <clears throat> I. My body, like even at this stage, even when I got really sick, my body was always craving meat and fat. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, you know, like that's just, like I never, I'm not going to say I'm 100% carnivore now. My body was always craving meat and fats. Like that's what it always wanted. But I would, I'd eat, like I'd look at my plate and I'd be like, oh, there's too much meat here. So I'd really ration my meat and focus more on the veggies. And then uh, obviously it worked. I still got healthy and I feel fine and just everything's good. But just recently, when I it was actually when I was uh, just up in the Gulf recently, <clears throat> I was up there and, and I was really giving it some thought. And I was like, yeah, like a, maybe there's something to this, just my body just saving meat. But I was worried. I'm like, oh, you know, if I don't have my carbohydrates and my veggies and whatever, like, you know, like it's all, the boat's going to sink. Like I was just like, oh, you know, like it's all going to go to crap. And then, um, yeah, obviously this carnival thing started to pick up a bit and, and I was, I've been really watching it and, and taking note and just the more and more I see it, I was like, yeah, look, this really looks like there's something going on here. And um, I love to experiment, you know, like, I, and if I was to ever recommend anything to anyone, I'd, I'd always want to try it first. Like I'd never recommend anything I've never tried myself. And I mm -hmm. thought, you know what, like, 
like stuff. And I was really worried to begin with. I was like, yep, you know, like I might roll over and die if I don't eat veggies, but I'm going to give it a crack. And um, yeah, so for three months, uh, it was actually, I got into a guy, there's a guy in England called Origins Nutrition. So he's, he's pretty, he's 100% carnivore. And um, I'd been in contact with him and he, he like, I, I really picked his brain and asked him a lot of questions. And then I thought, yeah, like, you know what, stuff that I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try and just see what happens. So for three months, I went, I went uh, solid carnivore. And to be honest, it's the best I've ever felt. My testosterone went up. My strength went through the roof. I, um, I wouldn't say my stomach was bad, but it completely like, it is completely like it completely improved. I didn't have any gas. Like it's kind of gross, but like my poos are really good. Like they were just spot on. Like, Gut, like yeah. I, even I was blown away like the whole time for the, like the last couple of years that I've been paleo like you know like de- definitely with certain foods that I eat I must still have a certain amount of intolerance to some things or maybe I'm eating too much of the wrong thing still or I'm not too sure but for some reason just my body it was a feeling I had initially ages ago anyway that like I always felt like eating more meat so yeah I've just gone with it and, and to be honest it's actually the best I've ever felt so it's yeah, I, I don't know. There's, you just, I don't know. Like, you just can't. There's obviously like lots of diets and stuff out there, but you've really got to find what works for you. And for some reason, this this carnivore thing really seems to be working for a lot of people, and especially a lot of people that have gone vegan are now turning around and like going 100% carnivore in the complete opposite direction. And a lot of these vegans that like, you know, have like severe mental illness or like, you know, like they're having oh, like, you know, the list goes on with the amount of issues that some, some ve- like, I'm not, I'm not saying that veganism is bad because I don't want to, you know, like I'm pretty open-minded. Like I can understand why they do it for the ethical mm-hmm. reason, not to say that I think that's like, that definitely is not, doesn't resonate with me. Like I, you know, I like to hunt and I have the respect for animals. So I, you know, I feel okay about eating meat, but obviously they're in a different boat. But like, I think if if you put if if you look at it from what your body really needs, like it's like some people obviously need meat, so you got to sort of make terms with that. But yeah, like to to see the the evolution of these vegans that are turning around and going one hundred percent carnivore is just like there's obvious. It's just like I don't know, man. There's obviously a lot more going on. So. And I think one of the positive things about having the movement like the carnival and, you know, January's World Carnival Month, if anybody is interested, um, is that you do start to see the the ups and downs of it and, and like you say, the, the benefits for many people. And even in myself, you know, um, for a long time there, I, I had hip issues and I, I've ended up having having a surgery on one of my hips and, and like, then... Then sort of two years ago, sort of, well, I went back and forth on going sort of gluten free, and and then you know, started going keto, and now it's been a bit more relaxed, more more paleo type type sort of way, and then obviously the Christmas period hit and um, came back in the new year, and all of a sudden, bang, my my hips are tight again, and uh, you know I don't know whether it's I've just been neglecting something or or. It's my body saying, "Hey, you've, you've had a little bit too much of those inflammatory things, and, and you need to sort it out." And I guess 
like like I say, you don't you don't know what you weren't aware of, and when you feel great, and then you go back to your old habits, you, you soon realise that hey man, I was I was living a life that was suboptimal, and like you said, trying to trying to find a true human performance, and and that's even the name of Sean Baker's podcast is it Human Performance Outliers, and and he is <laughs> he is an outlier. Um, what what was really interesting um, is I saw yesterday Michaela Peterson's YouTube channel has been shut down and, you know, she's she's not sure whether it's because she promotes carnivore or, or the fact that she's Jordan Peterson's, Peterson's daughter. But, you know, it, it's getting to a stage now where it's becoming a war of words and really it's just a conversation where a lot of people will actually think along the same lines, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. Like there's definitely a big push from... I don't know where you. I don't know where to say the push is coming from, but there's definitely a big push for a more plant-based vegetarian diet, like 100. percent But from a performance point of view, like I, 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 maybe that's maybe that's not the best option. Yeah. And maybe from like a human evolution point of view, maybe it's not the best best option. So. Like I, mean, I don't know where the like. I mean, I, I do have a rough idea where the push is coming from. Obviously, like there's like a bit of an, a vegan agenda there. I never, I never thought I'd say that, but <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, yeah, like it's just I don't know what's going on there, man. Yeah, and, and you look at it, and you know, big big companies are sort of jumping on board. It um, people, you know, the, the vegan agenda starts with the likes of Kellogg's and Sanitarium, but now. They're also trying to you know, other other people who are invested in soy and grains and and all that sort of thing. They're, they're seeing an opportunity in the market. You know, when it comes to fake, fake meat, all fake meat really is 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 a bunch of vegetable oil and you know tap, tapioca starch and soybean oil and um, all that sort of stuff just thrown into a blob. And oh yeah, this is this is fake meat. You know, when it's rubbish, it's it's toxic. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you only have to look at the food pyramid to see that it's based on like money and profits. I mean, if like, not not to say like I'm into any big conspiracies or anything, but I mean, if you follow like the money, like usually that's that's the that's where any good conspiracy sort of starts. But like, like obviously, it, how I look at it is that when I've spent time out with the Aboriginal people, and even when I went to Africa, <coughs> that like I just love to know what, what traditional people are eating. So I love picking their brains. And I can tell you, whenever you ask any of the traditional people like what their favourite foods are or what they would gen generally be eating, this is in my experience with the people that I've talked to, especially when I was up north. I like, they didn't really talk about plants much. Yeah. Like definitely, like 100% they ate plants like, and, and they pointed a few out to me, but in general, when they moved around, it was to they were moving around chasing the different protein sources. Like they'd they'd spend times out on the coast chasing barramundi, and then obviously they'd be like stingray and all those sort of seafood protein sources. And then like <clears throat> obviously it's pretty seasonal up in the up in the top end of Australia, so there'd be times a year they'd move back inland, and then they'd be eating like more goanna and wallabies and stuff like that. I mean, if you, if you just look at it from the point of view, like a lot of Australian plants are pretty toxic and the stuff the Aboriginals had to do to make them edible, 
I don't know, man. Like, it's just like, not, like, I don't want to say I'm on more to one side than the other, but just in, I really like to know these questions, like this sort of stuff myself. And that's why when that's why I love spending time with Aboriginal people, because just talking to them, like, you know, you sort of get an idea of what they've been eating. And obviously it's working great. I mean, like the, 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 the traditional way they were eating was obviously working fine. Mm. And that's, that's what I mean. And then, and then I think that's when you can look at like what a true diet is. Like if you looked at what they were eating before our intervention, it's just like, or any traditional peoples over the world, if you, if you look at what they were eating before, like maybe the Western food culture sort of come in, like they're obviously a hell of a lot healthier before we started eating crap anyway. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just look at that. That's, that's what I look at for like the true sort of optimal diet. Absolutely. I saw a picture yesterday of two Aboriginal blokes and they were like both over six foot, absolutely ripped. Um, you look at like Fanuatu, um, Fiji, uh, and then the real sad cases of places like Nui and, and Tokelau and even to some extent Tonga and Samoa that have been, like I say, westernised and it's just a completely flip-flop of, of their true potential and, and it's such a shame. And, um, you know, Peter highlighted that in the magic pill that this group up north that, you know, had been westernised and, and things went to crap and then he pointed out, to them, or the group that is recording pointed out to them that it's you know, actually about r- real food and whole food, and they're like, "Oh, this is this is what we used to eat." And it's like, "Well, you know, you're doing things right." And Ray, Ray Kelly said the same. You know, he he's Aboriginal himself, and and working with the community, it's just about going back to basics. And if anybody's looking for a, a good channel to follow, Helen Patterson, who's um, written a few of the books with with Pet Evans, the gut health one, and and the baby yum yum, which. Alex and I have been using quite a lot. It has some delicious meals that probably just laps up. I fed her some mince and, and liver today with a sweet potato, and she was just she hoed through it. I was like, "Holy cow! I need to make more of that." <laughs> um, yeah, you just you know look at those whole foods, and even and like Sean and Sean and people talking about you know you you look at babies and, and you give you know I give Billy bacon, and she's just like, "Oh my god, give me more of that!" Or um, for my birthday, we we're at Harvest in Yuri Bar, and we got the the roast lamb, Dorpa lamb, which is insane if you're over there. And yeah, she was just like sucking it down. She was only about six months old then and only just starting to eat food and, you know, and same on Christmas Day she had the turkey fat and was just like, oh, this is the, this is the best. And, you know, and you try to feed her broccoli and she's like, oh, I'm not so sure about this. <laughs> it's, it's just pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I really think there's something to that because – even in my family, I remember being a kid and like seeing my younger brothers and sisters, like, you know, just you'd sit at the table for two hours and they'd be pushing the veggies around, but the meat was already gone. They'd be pushing the veggies around. Like, you know, they didn't really want to eat them. And then just recently I went and caught up with a really good friend of mine in Brisbane and I was there and he was sort of like, yeah, I don't know. Like his kids weren't really eating too much. And I think even he sort of thought he's like, oh yeah, they don't really eat too much. And I thought, oh yeah. Anyway, so I was in the backyard cooking up a big old T-bone steak and his son come out and he pretty much ate my whole T-bone on me and I was like, huh. <laughs> and, um, and even my mate, he was like, he just like didn't know what to say. He's like looking out and he's like, whoa. And like, because his son just ate a whole T, like nearly one of my whole T-bones and they were huge. It was like two inches thick. I was just like, Jesus, like what's going on here? So I think that made him scratch his head a bit. But then all that stuff you're talking about, kids like not wanting to eat veggies was really 
running through my head at that time. I was like, yeah, right, yeah. Like, oh, there's, there's, something, there's something going on here. I was like, okay, this is interesting. So, yeah. Just to finish up my report on Helen, she's, she's up with some Indigenous people at the moment doing a similar thing that's on the magic pill and educating them. And, yeah, just putting up some good stuff on her Instagram stories. So have a look at that. Um, actually, um, yeah, yeah uh, Helen's popped onto my radar recently. So, yeah, actually, I've I seen she was up there. So I'm pretty excited about that. Like, I, I'd, um, I'd love to catch up if when I go to Arnhem Land. Like, I'd love to catch up with that group of people that are doing that. So, that yeah, anyway. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, that's definitely on my radar at the moment. Awesome. Moving in the same circles. I'm hoping to get her on when she gets back from, from up north, which would be, which would be awesome. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, one of the best things, and this is what I want to talk to her about, is um, at the end of her interview with Pete Evans, which was, I think, a month ago, they talked about um, playing and, and being a kid and and just like really getting into it. And, and a few weeks ago, mate, you, you were covered in mud um, what do you, what do you, what does that sort of do, do for your spirit, do for your soul to actually, you know, get grubby, climb, climb, you know, in the job, you're climbing trees and dealing with trees and stuff. Like, what's that like, mate? <laughs> um, so, so a few years ago when I, when I first got really sick, like obviously I had like pretty severe depression and anxiety and a lot of mental health issues and, and that, and it was all, yeah, no, like it's a big, I'm sure there's a big, uh, puzzle piece there if you put it all together but um like I really started just getting back to back like that was my whole thing like stripping everything back getting back to basics and that's what I thought I was like you know what like I'm going to get back to all the stuff I used to do when I was a kid and and um like just stuff it like who cares you know life's too short I'm just going to start getting back to all the things that I used to love as a kid because like at the time like with the mental illness I had going on like I wasn't like I was a shadow of a man, like I wasn't really enjoying anything, like food had no taste. I, I don't know, you like, you know, the whole world was really bland. So I really started getting back to the things I loved as a kid, like, you know, going out in the bush, walking barefoot and unknowingly, like I definitely know now, but there's, there's definitely uh, more research there into mental health. Like I was listening to a podcast the other day and it's just like, you know, like if you get back to the stuff, you know, it's sort of more childish, things that you enjoyed as a kid like spending time in nature like it's some of the the biggest you know like uh mood enhancing stuff you can do and i was thinking wow i was like that's what i've basically been doing without thinking about it like i've you know been out covering myself in mud but all they like to to, to justify that like there was a purpose i was just trying some like natural camo <laughs> and um <laughs> but to be honest I'll, if i yeah, like it was. It's definitely something I would have done as a kid, and that's basically why I did it too. I was like, "Oh, this will be a bit of a laugh." But um, yeah, getting back to all that stuff, like, there's definitely something there in improving mental health of like getting back to that shameless, you know, those kind of acts of yeah, those sort of fun, playful things. Like, there's definitely yeah. No, no, it's got to try try to be beautiful as much as I can, and um. Going back to Adam Greentree, he's got a, a thing on his Instagram, keep it clean, and this morning picked up a few cans off the beach and things. But he, yesterday, oh no, Wednesday morning, um, someone on New Year's had chucked a couple of good quality um, deck chairs over the walkway and into the bushes. And, you know, I sort of thought, oh, someone should get those. And then I walked past on Wednesday morning and they're still there. I was like, oh, I'll get those. And it meant jumping over the railing and climbing down into the bushes 
and grabbing them out and throwing them back up. And, you know, you can, this, this is partly what, what I think like training CrossFit's for is that you can train to be, you know, fit for life and like do anything, you know, like I want to be able to like go climb a mountain or run a mountain, like chase animals or climb a tree or anything like that. Like you would as a kid. And that was the same thing. But at the same time, I was absolutely packing myself because I was barefoot and there's dragons and, and lizards all around there and brown snakes around there and, <laughs> I didn't know what spiders were. I was like, oh, this, is, <laughs> this is like this is like being on a mini adventure for five minutes in, in my morning. And, and exactly right, you, you threw it out there. Like, oh my god, I just did that. You know, I wasn't that. But you know, probably hundreds of people walk past those chairs and go, oh, that's that's a shame. <laughs> They're down there, but you know, I actually got it and jumped down there and had to walk along the branches and stuff. But I was just like, this was really fun. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely something really. Like even the act of, of kindness or, um, you know, like just, just doing a good act like that. Like, I mean, there's definitely something mood enhancing about doing those kind of things. Like whether you're, yeah, like, you know, like whether you're picking up some rubbish, like that, that feeling that you know and you're doing something good. Like there's definitely something, you know, like mood enhancing about doing that, those kind of things, definitely. Yeah, man. And, and so you were saying about um, mental health here with your own issues and, and you said to me, that the reason you had to leave Keegan's was, was for your brother and then going full circle there with your experiences with Carnival, you and you and him are going to go up north and, and try try either that way and, and see what happens. You know, is, is he sort of, is that giving him a purpose as well, do you think? Yeah, one, like 100%. Like um, I've been slightly working with my brother over the last few years because um, around the time that my health uh, went downhill his health also declined um, and he likes has been suffering with like a lot of mental health issues and that and uh, <clears throat> we've played around with a few things over the time and um, it's definitely helped and he's definitely in a lot better position now but the problem is with anyone in that position so my brother's a, uh, I guess you'd say he's an addict mm-hmm. like he's an alcoholic and um, to be honest, I don't think that's the right term to to put on him because I don't think at the end of the day that's what's wrong with him. You know, it's just like a, maybe he's living a life in a way that he's not meant to be living. Mm. And I don't know. But yeah, anyway, let's just say like, yeah, so my brother's been battling with mental illness and um, I've tried to show him a few things that have really worked for me. And um, I, I definitely, there's definitely been a hell of a lot of improvement. Like the, the, the guy that my brother was a few years ago and the guy that he is now, is totally different. But the, the problem is when um, one thing I've definitely found is that when someone's in that position that he is in, you can't really force them to do anything. Like you can't reach out and be like, Oh, this would be good for you. You need, you need to do this or like you need to stop drinking. Like it just doesn't work. Like if someone doesn't want to be fixed, then there's nothing you can do. Like you've just got to be there. Hmm. So I guess for the last few years, I've just been there in his journey and just like, but yeah, like so, I was at Keegan's, and um, I had planned to hang around there a little bit longer. But yeah, my brother, um, I, I thought he was he was um, he was pretty fine at the moment. But but I guess he definitely wasn't feeling the best lately. And um, for the first time since he's been sick, he he reached out to me and he said, "Look, I, you know, I'm not enjoying life. I'm feeling a bit, a little bit suicidal. Like I'm not, you know, like he he obviously doesn't want to feel that way, and he's been." 
yeah, like my, my brother looks up to some of the stuff I do and he, he's just like stuff. He's like, look, look, man, I think I need to, I need to go north. I need to get out in the bush. And I was just like, yep, right. So I packed my car that day, gone, bang, come home. Because for that, for him to be in that position of actually reaching out and wanting help, like, I mean, that's a, like, that's, that's just such a huge thing for him to reach out. Like he obviously wants to get better. And, and I'd have to say in my time, being up north like it was very healing like being out in the bush and just yeah like you really get to take a good hard look at yourself and and i think he's obviously ready for that that stage in his in his health journey of like getting out into nature and 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 starting to heal so yeah i just thought oh great like this is definitely the right time like it didn't matter if it was the right time or the wrong time but i mean if he if he's feeling down and out like i i wouldn't be able to like i just yeah, it just had to. That's just what I do for family. So yeah, I just come up, pick him up, and we're currently gearing up our cars. So yeah, like that's the plan. We're gonna head north, go go bush, and just start maybe changing some bad habits to some good habits. Maybe like definitely start practicing the Wim Hof every day. And and uh, I definitely think that some of my brother's issues are probably stomach and food related. Mm-hmm. So he's been eating pretty well close to paleo and obviously he's, he feels awesome. And every, whenever he starts to step away from that way of eating and going back to eating bread and, and um, <coughs> maybe not so good foods, he starts to decline a bit. And um, I haven't actually had the situation where I've been able to spend a lot of time with him, like every day to, to like make these have like make, healthy habits with him and like really ingrain them. Mm. So I thought, yeah, like it'd, it'd be perfect to go up there and be there with him one-on-one, like practice the Wim Hof every day, um, work, start exercising, like just, just really start to create some healthy brain pathways and just see what happens. Like I'm obviously not a doctor and I'm not a psychologist, but I mean, going bush seemed to work for me and I just, it's what my, my brother thinks will help him. So I thought, yep, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, keen, I'm keen to see what happens and whatever the case, it can only be good that comes from it, I think. So, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm no psychologist either, but, you know, yeah, from various things I've listened to, you sort of hear that if to um, sort of break a bad habit, you need another habit to take its place. And, like you say, if, um, if you're looking for some sort of escapism through, through alcohol or, or it's, you know, something like that having a different type of escapism, which is getting out and into the bush and into nature. That's a positive, positive version of escapism, you know, can, can only make massive changes. And then, you know, you mentioned the Wim Hof method there and that all sort of came out about Wim going into a severe depression after his, his wife unfortunately committed suicide. And, and, and again, it, it brought him back, back to nature, brought him back to life and, and, you know, as he says, it changes the brain chemistry of, of what he's doing and and it makes makes things, you know, feel great and obviously strength strength, health and happiness and the rest is bullshit. That, that was so good for Mark. Exactly. Like um <laughs> like you, you, to be honest, like a lot of my, my health journey and a lot of the stuff I've been learning is because like years ago I felt helpless. Like my brother was, you know, he's like an alcoholic and he's really depressed and he's like off the rails, but there was just, it's like, what, what do you do? Like I felt helpless. Like there's nothing I can do. So that really pushed me, pushed me to, 
to really get into all this other stuff and this health stuff so much harder because I felt that it wasn't just for me. I thought like I want to help other people. And that, that definitely was one of the big pushes why I wanted to help other people. It's just like, I don't want to be that per Like so many people, like maybe they have someone in their family that has mental illness or they have someone who's like trying to like committed suicide or like, it's just, it's so, uh, it's just, it's just this worst feeling to be, to be helpless. Like you just feel that there's nothing you can do to help someone in your family. And to an extent, until they want to help themselves, like maybe there, there, there isn't that much you can do, but I mean, to have the knowledge and I, and that's why at the moment I feel great. Like I'm not sitting around feeling helpless. Like, Oh, you know, like my poor brother, like, you know, he's in a bad position, but he's not at the moment. He's actually in a, still in a pretty good position, but he's just, he just needs a bit more of a push. But like, yeah, just there's like I know there's probably people out there and they have some in their family that like you know maybe has depression or mental illness or something and they feel helpless like there's nothing they can do but I feel I'm in a position now where I'm not in that position like I definitely know there's something that that I that I can do to help my brother because my brother he won't go to a psychologist he won't go to a doctor he just he won't take the medication because he just in his heart he just knows it's all bullshit mm. and he's tried that and it didn't work so he just and that seems to be, the, like, for some people, it just doesn't, it, it, it was definitely not working, man. Like, yeah, and you just got to look at the rates of suicide and depression and stuff in people. Like, obviously, if the medical system, like that, what they're doing, I mean, not to say that they're doing a bad thing, but, I mean, the that structure just doesn't seem to be helping that many people. Like, there's obviously another piece missing that we're missing. So that's what I feel like I'm in a position that I can show my brother something. So even if he like we go up north and he comes back and he still like starts drinking straight away, like that's okay. At least I've I've had a crack at showing him something. But I like I mean to be honest, I don't think it's going to be that way. Like he's he's starting to get, to get beyond that anyway. But it just <coughs> it feels good to know that there's that there's at least something that I can do to help because in myself, like I had a lot of issues. And it helped me. So it's just like it's spending time in nature can't be bad for anyone. Like it, ha- it can only be good. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Mate, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Like, you know, one, you're, you're creating a why of, of, of why you do things is, is to set a good example and, and that helps other people and then also that helps to keep you on, on the right track and, and keep you going and keep you healthy. Um, and then, yeah, just helping somebody else get in touch with, with their why. And I posted on Twitter yesterday, um, you know, when, when someone comes in and, and they're a smoker, they, they know that smoking is bad for them. And, and, but they've just got this disconnect with the, the joy or the escape or the, the moment. And it might even be the deep breath going back to Wim Hof that they get from, from having the smoke that allows them to calm down. And, and I, I sort of, a couple of years ago, changed my tack from telling them what they already knew to to trying to get sort of I don't know, put a wedge in their thinking and, and ask them why. You know, why, why do you smoke? And quite often or not, people people say I don't know, and, and they've, they've never thought about it. they've never thought about it, and and it just goes full circle all the time. You know, if and that's why I put up a quote yesterday is you know if if someone has a why they can almost overcome anyhow. And, and I think that was um, Viktor Frankl 
it, it's it's just one of those things and, and I'm a big fan of Simon's next start with why and, and that's that's why you and I resonate because our why is the same thing. It's it's about improving people people's lives and improving other people and being being above yourself and and yeah man, it, like I said, there's a lot to unpack with what you've just been through, but things that hugely resonate. Yeah, that's it. Like the when my brother actually contacted me uh, a few days ago, when I come up here, he just, that was the thing. He said like, he, he's feeling like probably the, like I definitely know mentally he's in, in one of the better states that he's been for many years, but he's obviously still feeling, he's still feeling crap obviously. And he's still feels there's something missing. And, it was exactly what you just said. Like he, he said to me, he's like, I feel that I'm wasting my life. I don't have a purpose. And I think, yeah, trying to find a purpose is really important Mm. and not, and not to say that. I don't know. And I feel that like, that's, that's what I've found. I think my purpose, even if it's not my purpose, I want it to be my purpose is to help people because I know, yeah, it makes me feel, feel good to be helping people. And, and yeah, so I thought like that's, there's definitely something there with people that are in that position. Like there is, is like the, the lack of purpose and trying to find your purpose. So I think that's the journey. Yeah, mate. And, and I know that's, that's something that um, Alex has really struggled with since, since uh, we had Billy is, you know, going from a life where you've got choices and opportunities and, and, you know, you can set goals that you can go after to being, um, full-time mum and, and all of a sudden your purpose is to look after this this child, you know, that, like you say, it, it can take a while for that purpose to align with you and, 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 you know, when the feedback that you get from being a mother is is constant, you know, constant battle, you know, constant second-guessing, you know, it, it just, you know, even, even for me as, as a dad, you know, constantly thinking about you know what's the next step what's the next thing we can do um but when i can take a breath and connect with that one it's temporary and two um what i'm what i'm here for is is to help make it okay and help help you know i don't know fix it or i don't know that might be a pretty masculine word to say is i'm going to fix it but help help out i guess you know it, it starts to be alright, and, and I definitely know there's there's times where Alex feels feels terrible, and other times where she feels amazing, and, and it gets easier. But man, when you when your why all of a sudden gets misaligned, it you, you you definitely start going to a dark place. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think even if you don't know your purpose, one thing that really seems to be um, that really resonates with me is that if you just it's like you don't have to know who you are. You just have to find out sort of what you're not. Mm. And that if you start to like live your truth and be true to yourself and just, I don't know, just start to get the, get the ball rolling in the, in what you feel the right direction. I guess the purpose kind of comes along with it. So that's what I've, yeah, I've really been focusing on just, well, I've just been living in my car, traveling Australia. So I guess I can't say that I really knew what I was doing, but um, just just through that, like just meeting great people, and I think that's important too. Like really trying to find your tribe. Like you yeah. surround yourself with pe- people that are on this, that are like even if you don't know the path you're on, if you surround yourself with people that you really resonate with, 
and I mean, like you probably like, you know, you bounce back stuff off them and, and you're like, Oh yeah. Wow. Like you, you start to slowly find some direction in the path that maybe you, you should be taking. And I think that's been awesome in, so I guess my, my travels around Australia hasn't just been one big holiday. Like I guess in some way it's been steering me into the direction that I seem to be taking just by meeting great people in the, in, that are like-minded because I mean, most people that just throw everything away and go traveling, you know, like they're, they're going in a certain direction and they're going in the same direction that I'm kind of going. So it's been great to meet those kind of people like yourself, Keegan Smith, like to actually start to get to interact and talk to people that are, that are heading in the direction that I want to head. Like, I think that really helps you find your direction and your purpose. Like, yeah, finding your tribe. That's definitely Mm -hmm. You know, like it really helps you start pointing you in the right direction. That's for sure, I reckon. Absolutely. And it's a fantastic book, Tribe. Um, but it's definitely something that's been highlighted about um, what happened there, mate? <laughs> lost the, lost uh, yeah, the, uh, someone <laughs> didn't pay the power bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's did, so good. Yeah, no, it looks, it looks good. It's, it's, it's a change up. Yeah, it's um, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. That's what's been, I guess, hard about moving moving to Bell, and it's probably something that you're you're well aware of it on your travels is is that that step to try and find your tribe and, and try and find the people that resonate with you can can be quite difficult and quite isolating. And, and that was something I heard the other day that the beautiful thing about adventure is not so much the places that you go, but what you learn about yourself and and what you can go through and. On top of that was a thought that has really helped me when I've been training is that um, pain is an experience that's already be, that you've already been through. And, and I'm just, when I'm, when I'm in the gym, it, it allows me to just do so much more. It's like, I've already, I've already had that. It's, it's already gone. And, and it, it's, I think, I don't, I don't know, because, you know, my, my hard times at the moment aren't really that hard on the big scheme of things, but there might be something really powerful for someone who is going through a hard time that the pain that you're feeling has already happened and whatever happens next is, is whatever. And, and that might be the sort of reframe that somebody needs to move forward into a positive direction. Yeah, exactly. Like I think that's one of the best things about actually like starting to do things. And, it, and that's the best thing about like you've, you've come over here. Like I'm sure that would have been a hell of a, big unknown a big maybe like you had no idea how it was going to turn out but like it's great like at least then you know like you like you either you know you don't know until you give it a go and it's the same with like like exercising and all these things just like you're testing your limits but unless you test your limits you never know your your true potential Mm. so yeah like that's that's definitely something about exercising and i think that's that's why it definitely has had has mood enhancing benefits is because yeah like you start to push your limits and you test yourself and you, you start to start to find things out about yourself that you didn't know before as silly as that, that probably sounds about exercise but you do you're like oh yeah like i didn't know i didn't know i could do that before yeah there's and something really important it's the same as traveling like you, you, like i know so many people that would be like oh yeah i just i, I would never go traveling like because it's unknown like it's scary it's big but but that's what's great like you've got to step outside your comfort zone to find out who you are mate and that's that's the same with going bush it at the time it gave me absolutely hell like the last big expedition i went on we ended up walking 18 k's out just because there was nothing there but 
at the same same time, I look back on it, and it was one of the greatest moments that I've, that I've done. You know, we going going eighteen k's up a up a river with steep banks through dense bush, and you know, it was it was muddy. It was then we then we got there and spent twenty four hours in a tent in torrential rain, sitting underneath the waterfall, <laughs> going, "I hope this thing doesn't wash us away." But um, you know, at the time, you're like, oh, this sucks. But actually, it was one of the greatest things I've ever done and, and look back on it really fondly. And uh, it's, it's it's funny how, you know, at the time we can be negative. And, and I think that's something that I constantly remind myself is that right now I'm going to look back on this fondly. <laughs> this hard time. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly it. It's just like you never look back on that time. You're like, oh, I went through that really nice gentle walk through that park you'll remember oh that time it rained and i was stuck out in the bush in the mud and it sucked and it was cold like that's what you remember like at the time you don't it's not a maybe it's not like the best experience but but that's what you look back on and you're like yeah like that that actually was a bloody good experience yeah. like it's the tough times that you look back on that's what you enjoy like those really things that push your body like that's what you look back on and you actually enjoy for sure so yeah, and it's the same. It's, it's what I think is the switch that's managed to get me out of bed in the morning now is that I think that in an hour and a half's time, I'm going to feel freaking awesome. I'm going to be exhausted, but I'm going to feel freaking awesome. So let's do this. And, and yeah, again, another another example which I bring up often is is the time that I pushed myself to, to absolute fatigue and I couldn't move anymore. It was, it was one of the greatest lessons I've ever had in my life is that, you know, even when you think you're tired, there's so much more that you can go to. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I see you had the great Ninja Steve on the other day. Yeah, mate. And uh, I, I, I listened to it and I loved his um, expression when he was saying about the uh, the cold showers when he um, he said, like, every day he's hesitant, like, he knows it's going to suck, but he does it anyway. Like, he's like, oh, maybe I'll just start out with a bit of hot water. And then I'll go to cold and I laugh so hard because I thought that's exactly how I think about it every day. Like I know it's going <laughs> to suck and I'm like, maybe I'll start out with some hot and then I'll go cold. And I just thought it was awesome to know that I'm not the only one. I was like, oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks it sucks every day. But then after you feel awesome, like yeah. you absolutely know, like you're just going to win the day. Like you feel absolutely bloody awesome after you do that cold shower. Like you feel so good or a cold swim or whatever it may be. Like you feel awesome after you do it. And I just, I, I love that when he said that, I thought, yes, like that resonated so hard. Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm exactly the same. And, and I think if you do go the hot, it's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Duff, it, you don't get the same benefit, I don't reckon, when you do the hot first. Yeah. It, just, it makes things worse. Yeah. Mate, um, we've been talking for ages and it's been bloody awesome and, and and I knew we'd, we'd have heaps to talk about now because we've been following each other quite closely since we talked last yeah. year. Um, you're still available just on Adam Kavanagh on, on Instagram? Yep, that's the one. Mate, and um, yep. what can people look forward to over the next few weeks as you go north? Are you going to be able to sh- share the journey or is it going to be something that you'll come back to and share later? Um, I'm thinking normally... Normally, I don't share too much of the stuff I've been doing, but I've definitely um, had a lot of people reaching out and, and they're pretty like, you know, they want to see a bit more. And um, I mean, my whole thing about what I do and stuff is like, you've got to enjoy your life and you've got to enjoy the moment. And I think that's the big thing. Like a lot of people you'll see walking around filming on themselves, doing bloody everything or 
And I know that's not what you're getting at, but I mean, just in general, like I think you definitely have to enjoy the moment. But I think, um, I think this time round, I'll, I'll definitely try to show a bit more because I think it's important that people see that maybe a bit more what's going on, and especially with the with taking my brother up with me this time. Like I think it's going to be, you know, for good or bad. I think it's going to be good to show that experience. So yeah, I think I definitely I'll be showing a bit more, and I'll definitely. I reckon I'm going to start. Well, obviously, I I hunt a lot. I, you know, I'm right into the hunting, but I haven't really shown that before. And I think a lot of people that reach out to me, like they're really curious about the hunting and that and that sort of stuff. So I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely important. I, 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 yeah, I think, yeah, definitely, mate. I think I'm going to start showing a bit more. So look out. <laughs> nice, mate. It, it, it's all about it's all about balance, and, and and I love what you said there about being present in the moment. It's something. I've started to try to a bit more of. I've um, adapted my iPhone to be really sort of. It takes a lot of steps to get onto social media, and and I've changed the screen time to be sort of twenty five minutes a day of of social media. And you know you can you can unlock that if if you need to, but it just means that when you've gone through three screens to to get to where you are, where you're at, you just sort of go, how oh, do I really need to be on here? Let's let's be present in the moment, and and, and I love that man. Um, all the best up there. And uh, this is bloody awesome. Thanks. Thanks for, oh, thanks, for, thanks for having me back on again, man. I, like, it's a bit of a bummer we didn't get to meet up, but I, I reckon, yeah, I'm still, I'm, wherever you are, I reckon definitely, like, we'll, we'll definitely catch up one day. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's been awesome. Epic. What a awesome message to finish on. Living in the moment. As I said there, I've taken that on board myself of late, living in the moment. And, like I said, I've reconfigured my phone to optimize living in the moment and get out of the phone. What I'll do is I'll include in the show notes the article that links to the instructions on um, getting out of your phone. It came from Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet Friday. Uh, it was quite cool. The, the person who wrote the article put up his um, traffic to the website and he sort of tracked along at, at a few views and then all of a sudden the Five Bullet Friday article got published and his um, views went through the roof and those of you that have been following the podcast all along will know that I had a very similar moment with my Instagram. I posted a picture from Tools of Titans which is a book that I always recommend to people. It's fantastic. Alex is currently reading Tribe of Mentors before me I might add um, and she's also loving that so I can't wait to get my hands on that after I've finished chapter one. Um, anyway, yeah, optimising your iPhone so you get out of it. Check the show notes out for that article. It's hugely helpful. Of course, the podcast is brought to you by Waikito, W-A-I-K-E-T-0.P-R-U-V-I-T-N-O-W.com, waikito.proveitnow.com, waikito with an O.proveitnow.com. Get your hands on exogenous ketones. If you're in Australia, if you're in Asia, in Canada or the USA, you just need to go straight to the website and you can order yourself exogenous ketones. Exciting times there, they've just updated the formula to be naturally fermented. Um, there's also a new version of the sort of pre workout which has more caffeine and more ketones in it, so you can really get a blast out of those exogenous ketones if you're doing a workout or if you're like me, you're playing rugby. Um, and also in the pipeline, they might be bringing out some ready-to-drink. So in a can, 
ketone drinks, which is pretty exciting. Um, if you're not in one of those areas, then just go to my Facebook page, W-A-I-K-E-T-O, Y-Keto, simple, and message me there, or else through at Stag Vision on Instagram, you can just send me a direct message and I'll be able to help you out with getting ketones, especially if you're in New Zealand, that's a really simple process. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's always a pleasure getting people back on the podcast. Um, this was cool because we just sort of had a chat, which is really exciting. Within the new year, I hope to get a few people back on, um, just arranging to get Yosefa Tuiasu back on. Our chat in episode 19, if you haven't checked it out, was super awesome, and he's done some great things like Adam has over 2018, really made it his own, and it would be great to have another discussion with him. Um, we'll have to get Keen Smith back on the podcast. Hopefully I can go out to the farm again and talk to him in person. And yeah, in the pipeline, we've got plenty of cool episodes to come. So tune in in 2019. We're going to take this thing higher. Um, be sure to share it with your friends and family. Um, like I said with the last episode, um, if you could share the podcast and tag Adam in it, it would mean the world to him. It's always awesome to get feedback from people and and let be, be let known that you've been heard. So yeah, get after that. And of course, on your iTunes app, if, if you can just hit subscribe, or if you don't want to subscribe, if you could just leave us a review, that really helps us get this out to more ears. Hope 2019's been going well. I've been absolutely loving it and look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Cheers.